Vegas wins a left circle drop. Petrangelo scores! He snuck it inside the right post. Wow! Threading the needle, Petrangelo got the puck from Jack Eichel, went wide of the right dot and found just enough of an opening. And Vegas takes the lead, one zip. Petrangelo's 13th goal of the season. Right side of center and Dodonov to the middle. Down the slot goes Theodore, he scores! Wow! Jay Theodore speeding down the slot. And the Knights take a 3-0 lead. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. The Golden Knights are back in action tonight. They take on the Vancouver Canucks. But before we get into that, yesterday was an absolutely brutal day for the Golden Knights in the NHL if you are simply scoreboard watching. The Dallas Stars beat the New York Islanders. That was not helpful. The Nashville Predators beat the Minnesota Wild. And probably the one that hurt the most is the Edmonton Oilers scored a shorthanded goal in the third period to tie the game and then scored in overtime to beat the San Jose Sharks. So the three teams that played yesterday that the Golden Knights could conceivably catch all won their games, all picked up two points. So right now, if you look at the standings in the West, first in the Pacific where the Golden Knights can t finish in the top three, Edmonton has 87, Los Angeles has 86, Vegas has 82. Uh, the Kings, uh, we are finally to a point where the Edmonton Oilers and the Golden Knights have played the same amount of games. So five points is the difference to catch Edmonton. That seems highly unlikely that they will catch five, make up five points on Edmonton. The Kings have played one more game than Vegas. If Vegas wins tonight, they'll be just two points back of the Kings and have played the same amount of games. So that one certainly becomes possible. And then in the wild card race, they are two points behind Nashville, one point behind Dallas, and both Nashville and Dallas have two more games to play than Vegas. Money Puck has their playoff odds at 49.8% right now. And to be honest with you, that feels very high. So you're saying it feels the 50% feels high, that you're under 50%, and if they make it? See, I still think they can catch the Kings. I still think look their best their best path is two two and three two or three in the division. There's yes. no question about that than than it is catching Dallas or Nashville with two games in hand each. They had this they've got Nashville at 90.8%. They've got yes. Dallas at almost 80%, like 30% higher than the uh the almost 30% higher than the than the Knights. Why you can explain this to me. I don't why am I surprised? Like I, I don't, you know, they've been winning lately. They get Vancouver and 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 the Coyotes uh, are the are the next three games. Now I know they go to Canada next week, so I think there's Edmonton games in there. It becomes a little becomes a little tougher next week. I just I keep thinking, I keep seeing them win, and I'm continuing to be surprised that that their odds are so low. In my opinion, I don't, I I'm missing something because I keep thinking the odds are going to be higher. And maybe it's just because they've won five straight, and I continue to think they're going to play bad teams and win. But I guess that doesn't matter as much as I'm thinking it does. I mean, I think I've changed my mind every single day talking about them yes. in the playoffs. But I think the main issue is this. The Golden Knights are not a good hockey team, right? They, they have not been like, this isn't a dominant team that you can reliably expect to rip off five more wins in a row, right? I mean, they play Vancouver, Arizona, for the next three games those are three bad teams that you would think that uh, the golden knights could win all three but because the golden knights haven't been good this year 
there's no reason to project they'll actually win all three of those games. There's no reason to assume they'll do that. So I think part of this is that the Golden Knights haven't been good this year, and if they play the way they've been playing for the entirety of the year, not just the last week or two, that they're not going to win all these games. They're not going to win these games they're supposed to win. They're going to lose some of them, and that's going to be what ultimately costs them a playoff spot here because they just haven't been very good. But I don't know. I mean, Edmonton seems completely out of the question now. Five points up, and, and they got uh, 11 games left. The Kings, yeah, that, that's certainly the one that I think you look at as possible. But again, and the other part, they don't they don't play the Kings, so they can't even like hold it. You know, it's not even like in their own destiny. That, They're oh, done. We we beat the Kings. We're in. So I don't know. It just yesterday was a pretty bad day for the Golden Knights. Here's here's another number from Money Puck. Uh, if they lose tonight, the Golden Knights playoff odds drop down to thirty five percent. Wow. I should say if they lose in regulation tonight. If they lose in overtime, it's not as bad. But if they lose in regulation tonight, 35% are their playoff odds. That's amazing. Yeah. If they would drop so, from fifth, almost 40, well, 49.8 to 35% off one yeah. loss. So we're, we're, we're into a point where every game is having pretty drastic swings for the Golden Knights. And by the way, the other way, if they win the game tonight, their playoff odds jump up to about 56%. Okay. So they'd be back up over 50%. But again, it's the, the other way to look at this is, is to ignore the percentages, or I should say ignore just that it's 50%. Like you said, Dallas right now is at 78%. The Kings are at 88%. Nashville 90, 90 Edmonton 93 The The problem for Vegas, they've got to catch one of those teams, right? Like it sounds nice, oh, they've got a 50-50 shot to get in. But in reality, they've got to, one of those teams has to fall apart. Right. One of those teams has to like have a horrific end of the season. And if they do, and the Golden Knights play well, they can get in. But you you still need effectively that help. You need well, somebody to fall apart. And I see, and I was just going through my phone on to get the schedule because I know they go to Edmonton, Calgary next week. They never play well at Calgary. But how much do you think Calgary, Washington's fighting for it. Um, St. Louis is the last game. Like, are they going to get fortunate there where especially teams have clinched are, wouldn't be, let's say, as motivated? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a chance, especially especially that last especially game against St. Louis. Louis. I mean, why if they're, if, if they're locked into their spot, why would they care? Right. They might be very much locked into the, whatever matchup, whatever uh, seed they have, they might be done. That might be uh, 100% figured out for that last game against St. Louis, while Vegas might be playing for something on the last day of the regular season. Right, which, by the way, that's I think that's what I'm now cheering for. I don't know if it happens. But I hope we go into the final game of the season and the Golden Knights have some path to getting, like, they need a win plus a loss from somebody else to get in. I think that's my, that's officially what I'm cheering for to happen. <laughs> Whether they actually get in or not is another issue, but I hope we have that scenario set up where on April 29th, the Golden Knights are playing. And if they win and get, let's say, who, who who's everybody playing that day? The Stars play the Ducks. I hope they're cheering for oh, the Ducks man. to win. And if they win, they're the in Donoff's the team. Yes. Trey. Oh, oh, man. They, they got to send Daddy to Anaheim that to help would, the Ducks oh, how win. About, and how about Daddy's got a wide-open net and he misses it on purpose? <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. There's your trade for you. It would be, would be great. Oh, that would be a lot of fun. Be I'm awesome. trying to see here. The Oilers play the Canucks that day, so the Oilers are probably winning if they need them to lose. Do the Kings not play on the final day of the season? Huh. The Kings do not play on the final day of the season. So if they're catching the Kings... There won't be any help coming with a Kings loss on the last day. The King, oh, the Kings play the Canucks on the second to last day. Okay. So 
That's not good. If they if they need the Canucks to win a game or two to end the season, might not be a good thing for the Golden Knights. They don't, the and the Sharks play the Oilers, and it's just not. Uh, yeah, but that's that's good. that's my official. That's what I'm cheering for. Is that? Um, I do want to ask you this, since you've been gone and you've uh, missed some of the goalie conversations here. Robin Leonard, Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson has won his last four starts, but the most recent game, Robin Leonard made his return, his first start since the beginning of March. Is this Robin Leonard's net? How many of the last 11 games does he start? Does he get all of them? Is it a, hey, he's not 100%, so he's not going to play 100% of the games? Like, what? how do you think this breakdown is? I'll give you a number of seven and a half. Is, is the over-under for Leonard yes, starts? Yes. I'm going to say oh. over. I think I'd take the over two. I think I'll say the over. I think he's their idea is if they're going to get in the playoffs and he's their playoff guy, then they better play him. Yeah, there's one more back to back this season, so I think there's. Right, and, but it's there's the one. it's the second to last and third to last games of the year. So there's a chance that they might play him back to back nights because they're saying, well, we got to win them all to get in, but. There is one more back-to-back. I do think Logan Thompson starts again. I think the the main hesitancy I have on that, on saying over seven and a half, is how healthy is Robin Leonard? Mm-hmm. Is there the only, any the only sort reason of, to think the other way? Right. Is there any? Well, Logan Thompson's been pretty no, good. No, he's been and, good. He's been good. Yeah, because because okay, to me, there, there's two ways that Leonard doesn't start at least ten of the last eleven or something. One is the health issue, and and are they do they need to manage his workload at all? Like, is there a hey, he's back, but maybe he can't play two games in three days or whatever? Like, that's obviously an issue. But the other one is Logan Thompson's been good, and what happens if Leonard gives up like six tonight? Like, what happens if Vancouver, who's not very good, just obliterates Robin yeah. Leonard tonight? How I'm I'm very fascinated to see how much. Pete DeBoer would change how much he would say well Leonard got lit up and this Logan Thompson kid's been really good so we're going back to Logan Thompson against the Coyotes like I think there is a legitimate chance that Robin Leonard could play poor enough that they go to Logan Thompson because they say listen Logan or Robin Leonard can be the playoff goalie but we can't afford a one-week spell where he's not any good we've got to have Logan Thompson they can't afford two games right and and that's the other part is how how much of a margin for error does does Robin Leonard have, right? Like if he if he has one bad game, do they go to do they go to Logan Thompson, or is it a measure of well, one bad game happens, we're starting I mean, again? Like the way the playoff odds are, I don't know if they could. I don't know if they could wait one. You know, one really really bad game. That you know yeah, he, I, he gets killed tonight. Um, where do they get? You know, Logan Thompson plays maybe against the Coyotes on Saturday, and then if he wins, yeah. you could get yourself into an issue here. Well, not an issue if one guy's playing better than the other. Of uh, do you make a switch? I mean, you, yeah. you have to win almost every game. Yeah, um, there's no time to like let a guy. You know, I I think if he plays well, seven and a half is a good number. We both went over. But if it just is, it, he's not any good. Then you've got to make a switch. You don't have time to wait around at yeah. this point. Uh, one more thing on the money puck odds here. Uh, they have also have odds to win the Stanley Cup. The Golden Knights are at two point two percent. Uh, that's better than Dallas. That's better than Washington. That's better than St. Louis. And that's better than the New York Rangers. Oh, hello. They Gerard. are the Golden Knights might not. The Golden Knights are 49.8. They're under 50% to make the playoffs and they have better Stanley cup odds than teams that have either clinched or virtually clinched a playoff spot. 
That's, that's kind of insane. That's kind of nuts. That's kind of nutty. <laughs> and I I don't know exactly how money puck factors in injuries, but I have to guess part of that is, well, if everybody's healthy, the right. team should be really good, even though the chances of them being really healthy is not that real. Oh, is this is this also true? They're not technically eliminated from winning the division? They got a 0.1% oh. chance to win the Pacific. Okay. Ah, oh, well. they can still do it. No, that, Went out. Not really, Calgary because they play out. at Calgary, and we know that's going to be 6-1. <laughs> to one. That'll be the bit. No, they, they'll win there. That'll be the big game. That flips it. That flips everything. They win in Calgary, and all of a sudden, they're winning the Pacific Division. That'd be. They win out, and Calgary loses out. That might be the only way. Calgary has a 97% chance to win the division right now. Edmonton, 2.4. So there's your look at the playoff odds. How about uh, Girard I, up there? 100%. Yeah, but no chance to win the Stanley Cup, no. according to Money Puck. They do not like the New York Rangers. <laughs> So, sorry, Gerard Gallant. All right, coming up next, it's Bishop. Or no, no, it's Sam and Ash. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-123. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234. Or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Joining us now from Sam and Ash Law is Ash. Good morning, Ash. How Hi, are Ash. you today? How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm great. Always great when there's a Miley Cyrus intro. Yeah, absolutely. We got we got wrecking ball for you every time now. That's the plan, I think. <laughs> Whenever we don't have Sam, the least you can do is give me a little Miley. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll get we'll we'll do it for Sam too. We'll make sure he hears some Miley Cyrus as well. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I want to start today with the Washington Commanders, the uh, the darlings of the NFLs, everybody's favorite team. Um, they have been accused here. There's a story at Front Office Sports that they did not pay the amount of ticket revenue that they were supposed to pay to the NFL. The NFL, uh, part of their rules is teams have to give 40% of their ticket sales from every game to the NFL and it gets dispersed among the teams that way everybody sort of has a closer to fair amount of money regardless of how many fans they actually bring in this is a part of a congressional investigation that has to do with all the other issues the Washington Commanders has had it's not specifically about this but can you give us any sort of insight here as to I guess, how would the commanders be in trouble legally for breaking what was just an NFL rule? Well, I mean, there's the NFL clearly has bylaws between all these teams on what they have to do and what that entails. And one of those things is revenue sharing, ticket sales sharing. And so there's got to be somewhere in those bylaws the fines and punishments that the teams will levy against someone for violating them. There has to be. I mean, it's simple. Like it's similar to if you violate the salary cap, there's got to be a punishment. I just don't know the bylaws and what that would be. But look, I mean, changing your name, it's like under new management. Clearly, it's not helping for the Washington Commanders. <laughs> you can, um, I, I mean, can they bring legal action against them or do they do you think it's more just discipline from the league it well right now if there's a house oversight committee they will they're looking into it and whether something needs to change but the league will likely step in and the owners will all vote as to what that punishment will be and look remember when we had donald sterling in the nba and he just personal conduct the owners voted to have him removed from owning his own team and so look i think the potential punishments here are 
extensive and wide varying. And so if all of this investigation leads to there is an environment of harassment, there have been uh, illegal ticket sales withholding and a, a litany of other things, I wouldn't be surprised if the the owners vote to somehow create a, an oversight of Dan Snyder or potentially remove him or whatever. It's uh would be funny is not the right word. Maybe um, not shocking that this might be what causes Dan Snyder to get kicked out of the NFL, given the amount of problems that Washington has had, the allegations of sexual misconduct across that organization that it's going to end up being, well, he took some money from the rest of the owners, and that's why they got rid of him, not anything else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does send a little bit of uh, a bad message to society. Like, hey, we didn't really care about all the harassment and abuse allegations that were going through the organization. But, you know, when you stiff us out of some money, now we now we care. Uh, Hope Solo, the U.S. soccer legend, was arrested Thursday in North Carolina for driving intoxicated and resisting arrest for two children when the car... I guess she was in custody in a Walmart parking lot off uh, uh, in Winston-Salem there. When these things happen, um, and obviously we can go through the DUI. We've talked to you about that before. I always go to the children first. Um, I assume the children at that point are taken uh, uh, by child services. Uh, they're not going to give the children to her at that point because they're booking her into jail. Um, I, potentially losing her children for how long? Now, she says she's back at home with the children, but when this goes to court, if it does, if she actually gets there, are the children brought into this, or if they've given, been given back to her, they're, you know, that couldn't happen? Well, there was probably at the scene when the car was discovered with Hope Solo and the two kids, they likely did an investigation to see if the kids showed any signs of abuse and how they looked and their mentality was. Uh, at since Hope Solo is married, lives with the, the parents of these children, it's unlikely that a judge will remove the children from Hope Solo. They might put some orders that she can't be alone with the children mm -hmm. moving forward and failure to help with that. Then the husband would be potentially on the hook for <laughs> child abuse because he's now knowingly allowing his children to be alone with a convicted. Well, right now she's not convicted, but right. if she did get convicted, a convicted child abuser. And so that's how it would play out. But I don't see her losing full physical custody of these children. How do you enforce things like, uh, hey, you can't be alone with these specific children? Like, how does that actually get enforced in the real world? Well, in the real world, it's usually a grandparent or um, a concerned friend or someone else that calls in the police and says, look, I know that Hope's not allowed to be with her kids alone. And I just saw her at the grocery store carrying a handle of Jack Daniels. So you might want to go check that out. Uh, she's been arrested before, domestic violence, um, berating a police officer accused of. She had a physical confrontation. We remember that story with her teenage nep yeah. nephew. Uh, she's done a lot. Um, but So when she, let's say she goes into court for this, um, and it's a DUI resisting, how much do those charges, if it's not the same charges, come into what the judge might decide if, in fact, there is some kind of sentence or some kind of judgment against her? Yeah, your, your criminal history is always at issue when it comes down to sentencing. Are you a, prob a problem with our criminal justice system before or are you not? And so a judge will look into it and look into the similarity of the charges. But again, right now, these are all clearly just allegations. And her lawyer says the facts will be more sympathetic to her than as currently reported. So who knows? We might not even get there, guys. 
Um, another story here from NASCAR. So you have a NASCAR driver, Haley Deegan, who pulled out of a NASCAR race last week. And the situation that she is in is there is a man who apparently threatened to kill her boyfriend. That man, they believe, is being catfished by somebody else online. Somebody is pretending to be this NASCAR driver, Haley Deegan, talking to this man. And then he threatened to kill Haley Deegan's Oof. boyfriend here. So kind of complex here uh, complicated what's happening but she ends up pulling out of the race they say that they're in a uh, terrifying situation here i guess for outside of the 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 accusation of they threatened to kill somebody here is it against the law to catfish people like if you create a fake dating profile is that is that illegal generally no the problem hmm. is if you, unless you're using some illegal trademarks or you're using someone's brand image or likeness really that has value and you're trying to use it and it somehow creates damage to them, sure, if they find out they might have a, a legal action against you. But in general, if you just pick a random stock photo off the internet and start using that, that alone is not criminal. Uh, what usually happens though is they create these profiles to Oh, I don't know if anyone was on Netflix, watched the Tinder swindler, you know, they try and get money. There's usually, uh, they try and create these romantic relationships to then get money out of the catfished person. Tinder swindler. We got, listen, you haven't seen it. I have not seen it. I have not. Ed, come on. Have you seen it? Ozarks? Yes, I've seen it. I've seen every episode. (laughs) I'm waiting for the last episode. I'm waiting for the last season. Yes. I've not seen Tinder swindler. We have to stop giving criminals great nicknames. Tender Swindler is such a great name. Isn't it? Yes. That is I know. We, we have to stop giving them good names because I know. it's a great now, name. I, I almost want to be the Tender Swindler now. He made a ton of money off of t- off of Tinder. It was the gr- one of the, like, the more impressive Wait, Ponzi schemes I've seen. Hold on. Can you run us through what's the exact scheme? How does he get people to give him money? Oh, he, he created this persona that he's with a wealthy family that owns a diamond empire and then he falls in love with people and he uses money he convinces them to quickly wire him some money on namex or open a credit card for him and then he uses that to then pay for the lavish lifestyle of his with his next tinder date and so it's this one person funds the next date and so on and so on and it's just it's impressive a ponzi scheme of love guys creative created by that guy do you think um, we're going back to this catfishing situation that social media has made stalking worse in the last ten years? Absolutely, I think it's made stalking um, more prevalent and harassment more prevalent. I think it has also made um, burglaries and home robberies uh, significantly more successful. I guess because mm-hmm. people are so bad at social media. Do not tell the world when you are on a grand vacation away from your house especially if you're a public figure. That stuff is easy to figure out. And if you've got something that they might want um, and they know you're abroad and you're not even close to your home, now you're a target. So I think those things have become very prevalent in our social media age. So be smart, guys, on social media. And don't get catfished either. That's don't. A, that's a, don't, don't, I think don't wire people money is, is sort of the number one rule, Seriously. Right? Like, if someone's asking you for money and, you know, like maybe meet them for coffee, look at them right. in the face and make sure yeah. you know. And I don't know. I feel sorry for people. So many I, people I'm hesitant. 
I'm hesitant to send my girlfriend 20 bucks, let alone somebody I've never met before. <laughs> I owe Adam, I'm with you. I owe Adam Hill money for a basketball pool. I will only do that in person. I'm not Venmoing that guy any money at all. Who knows where that money is well, going to go? That's Adam Hill. You just don't trust Adam Hill. That's yeah. perfectly, perfectly acceptable. Well, she is Ash from Sam and Ash. It's 702-820-1234, salmonashlaw.com. Ash, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ash. Oh, thank you, guys. Have a great one. You too. Take care. How do people still fall for the wire money? Well, thing? there's, it's sad. There's some, uh, it's desperate the right word. There's just some, there's, it's sad. There's some people out there who, you know, uh, fall fall in love and feel that it's okay and send money. And I just, I feel sorry for people. I do. Because the, you, you just got to stop. Anyone asks you for money, please just stop out there and, and think before you start sending. This guy's now having people open credit cards for him. Oh man! Think just think what the grainy household would have to say to you if you sent somebody money. Oh, it, it, no! I'd be out with the birds. I'd be in the bird cage. You'd be in the bird cage. <laughs> be All in right, the cage. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs—a look at UNLV's uneventful offseason. Bischoff's briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's Briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's Briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's Briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just now. UNLV, the offseason's been underway for a while. They didn't play very deep into March, so they haven't had to worry about games. But not a whole lot has happened. They've had some guys enter the NBA draft, some guys enter a uh, potential transfer portal there, but nothing really. I guess I haven't had anybody enter the transfer portal just yet. Uh, but they did get some good news yesterday. Kyron Lindsay is coming back to UNLV. He is the four-star recruit that uh, is signed with UNLV. He was recruited by Carlin Hartman, who left UNLV as an assistant to go be an assistant for Florida. There was some concern that Kyron Lindsay would not stick with UNLV, but he told Mike Grimala yesterday that he is still 100% committed to UNLV. So that is the first bit of good news on the offseason because there was a real chance that they could have lost Kyron Lindsay with Carlin Hartman leaving for Florida. Now, if we look at the transfer portal, though, UNLV, we've talked about this this offseason. They need good players. If they're going to improve on this last season, not having Bryce Hamilton back means they've got to find a replacement for Bryce Hamilton and probably better than Bryce Hamilton or a couple players that are better that add up to being better than Bryce Hamilton because they didn't make the NCAA tournament last year, despite how good Bryce Hamilton was. They have a lot of role players on the roster. But they don't have any star power. Uh, Donovan Williams, technically, not on the roster at the moment because he is entering the NBA draft. But even if he comes back, you can still probably say they don't have much star power. Donovan Williams maybe can get there, but that's not really where they are. San Diego State landed Seattle transfer Darian Trammell yesterday. He averaged 17 points per game last season. That's the type of player you would like to see UNLV get. Somebody that is a proven scorer, has a proven level of success, at the Division One level. But here's the problem. When you look at the names that UNLV has reportedly shown interest in in the transfer portal, 
it's not that great of an outlook. Uh, they'd really be looking at guys that would have to be breakout players. So we're going to use... Uh, Ed, you remember my points above average stat that I took from yep. Bart Torvik? Yep. Yeah. So we're going to use that as a as just to try to use a one number to try to sum everything up here. And so basically what it is, it's a points above average. The average player, how much better or worse are you than the average player on a per-game basis? For some context... Bryce Hamilton last year was five. He was five points above average on a per game basis. That was top 30 in the country. Reese Brown was 0.3, right? Reese Brown was a guy who barely played for UNLV last year. He was just slightly better than an average player. These are some of the guys that UNLV has been interested in the transfer portal. Ethan Anderson, a guard from USC who was actually committed to Marvin Menzies at one point. His points above average last year, 0.5. Uh, Rob Fennessy, a guard from Indiana, his points above average last year, 0.0. .0. Shane Dezoni, a guard from Vanderbilt, 0.1. Isaiah Cottrell, a forward from West Virginia, who actually went to Bishop Gorman, 0.2. All of those guys impacted their teams last year about as much as Reese Brown did for UNLV this season. That's not really good good enough. UNLV's got to find guys that are better than Donovan Williams, and they've shown a lot of interest in unproven players. Now, they have shown some interest in some proven guys, guys that have done uh, have had a lot of success. One's Jalen Llewellyn, who's a guard from Princeton. His points above average last year was three, which would have been, Donovan Williams was 2.5, so would have been second best on the team last year for UNLV. Cameron Winters, another one, also at three, from Drexel. The problem is that Jalen Llewellyn, for example, has uh, heard, has offers or has heard from Alabama, Tennessee, Texas Tech, Villanova. Cameron Winters heard from Ohio State, Arkansas, Michigan. Those players are likely going somewhere much better than UNLV. Mm -hmm. Those players are not likely transferring to UNLV when they're hearing from multiple Power 5 teams, when they're hearing from Final Four. You see, you're hearing from teams. teams that they just watched in the NCAA tournament. Right. And suddenly you see the problem for UNLV. Big-time transfers are probably going to big-time schools, and it leaves UNLV searching for diamonds in the rough. Now, I do want to point out, Donovan Williams and Royce Ham, those two guys last year in the Big 12, they were both .2 and .1 in this points-above-average stat. They were obviously better players than that, right? But the problem, even with that, is that Donovan Williams went from like 0.1 to 2.5, and Royce Ham jumped up to 1.8, right? Those are good, useful players. But the problem with that is, is that you have to have better than that. They've got to find players better than that. Well, them. that's because the they don't have the guy who was a five. Right. And the chances of, you know, whoever, Ethan Anderson or something, who was a 0.5 last year, the chances of Shane Dezoni, who was a 0.1, the chance that that guy goes from being a 0.1 or a 0.5 to being a 3.5, to being a four points above average, very unlikely. Like, I think Donovan Williams and Royce Ham, that's kind of like best case scenario. When you go diving into the bench of a Power 5 school and find somebody that wasn't playing, I think what Donovan Williams and Royce did last year, that's about as good as you can expect. I don't think you can actually expect a guy to be much better than those two were that wasn't playing at a Power 5 school. So... There is one other sort of level of player here that UNLV has shown some interest in. Two guys from SEC schools, Luis Rodriguez and Devin Carter. Uh, they're both guards from Ole Miss and South Carolina. They got some playing time last year. Uh, Devin Carter scored nine points a game in 18 minutes. Luis Rodriguez played over 24 minutes per game for Ole Miss last season. They, they got some playing time last year, and they were productive players. Their points above average was between 1 and 1.2 for both of those guys. 
that might be the level that UNLV needs to find because those are not true diamonds in the rough, right? Those are guys that have, have had playing time, have shown they can do something. But maybe you give them a bigger role, you're in a slightly worse conference, and maybe those guys go from being, hey, they're one point above average to being three, 3.5 points above average because UNLV probably needs about three guys that are three points above average next year to have a legitimate NCAA tournament shot. That's what Boise State had this year. They had three guys. Wyoming had three this year. That's sort of a good area to be looking is find three guys that were better than Donovan Williams last season. And Donovan Williams could be one of those guys. He could come back and he could get better and he could be one of those guys. But you need three. And it's very hard to see where UNLV finds those three. I think it's going to be extremely difficult for Kevin Kruger to land the high-level transfers that they need to be an NCAA tournament team next season. I mean, I'm with you. I don't. If they need three of those guys, and given some of those schools on those lists, that's going to be really difficult. They should maybe, like you said, try to find like the Seattle kid, who you know right. I know SC and others had some interest in him. Now they had really good contacts with that kid, and that's why they got him. But he's coming from Seattle, averaging 18 points a game. Maybe those are the kind of kids you should be looking at. And right. not these Power 5 kids who, just because they're a Power 5, they're going to have better offers. Right. And that is – and so what I'm curious to see uh, – Carlin Hartman apparently got a lot of credit for bringing a lot of the players to this team on last year's roster. UNLV has an open assistant coaching spot. I am curious to see if they hire a guy because they know he can bring a player this season. Like, do they do? Is there an assistant coach candidate who they know can get a, a very important transfer on this roster for next season? Because that's probably going to be worth it. If you, if you, if there's a guy that scored 17, 18 points per game and you're like, that, that guy's good, but he might go to a power five school. If you know, hey, if we hire this guy as an assistant coach, that kid will follow him. That's the type of hire I'd, I'm mm-hmm. very curious to see if UNLV would make because that would go a long way in helping next year's team. That's that's short-sighted, absolutely. Well, if he can but, bring one, maybe he's like Hartman and can bring others in the future. Right, and the other part about being short-sighted is Carlin Hartman was here for one year. Like being yeah. short-sighted is what you need to be in this sport. If you need right. to get rid of a guy or if a guy's gonna, it's gonna, it's a short-term sport. So if you bring in a guy for one year of a kid, it's probably going to be worth it. So. There's your outlook on the transfer portal. Not an optimistic one from my standpoint there. I I think they're going to have to do a really, really good job of identifying a couple of players that other teams are not identifying as difference makers and really hit on a couple of guys. Otherwise, I think the NCAA tournament is going to be too far out of reach for this team because it's just hard to see how they find the players good enough to make that run. Um, they've got a bunch of good role players, and that's the thing. They've got a bunch of good role players. They just, they just need the like two star players to come in and be the the main guys on the roster that put this team in the NCAA tournament. So maybe they can do it. Maybe they find a diamond in the rough that's just awesome. Maybe they can win a recruiting battle, or I guess a transfer portal battle over some Power Five schools. It's certainly possible. I just don't know how realistic it is that they can do it. And in reality do it more than once because just having one of those players like Bryce Hamilton probably is not enough. To we get haven't to seen any kind of schedule tournament. yet. Uh, you are right. We have not seen a schedule at all. So I'm trying um, to think back to last year of teams that they played that they might return or they might get back. I, I, I don't a know. lot of the games they played last year were, were the return series. games. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, do they have another one with San Francisco? Well, if they do, did San, did San Francisco come to the Thomas and Mac? No, that was, a ro- that was a road game. Yeah. So no, that's what I'm saying. Would they have a return? 
Yeah, potentially. I don't know the exact SMU? contracts on those. Yeah, I, I think that might be one that's coming too. Yeah. So they they might have a couple, but they, we don't even know what their um like their pre their non conference tournament is either. That hasn't no. been announced. If they're play, if they might not play in one. I guess you don't. I mean, have I to hope he still one. plays a, t- a really good schedule. We've seen where they've dropped ticket prices. I get that you want to get more people in the building, but then don't follow up with a weak schedule. <laughs> You know what I mean? To get wins? Well, that's better than I mean, the other way around of bumping the ticket prices up and then a week schedule. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess. I, I guess I, I know you're trying to get people in the building. I, I've got no problem with it. you got to get people back in that building. I've got no problem with that. I think it's a smart move. I just want them to play a good schedule each year. I, I just yeah. want them to play a good schedule each year. And, and, I, and if you're UNLV, you should play a good schedule. I assume they will. I think they will. I, I'd be surprised if we got just a god-awful schedule. I don't think they're going to play an unbelievably difficult one, but... I'd be surprised if we get a schedule that's just 10 teams that are non-Ken Palm top 200 right, or something right. like that. Like, that'd be a little surprising if it was something that was that bad. All right. We have a giveaway. We have a $50 gift card uh, that's going to get you to Vegas Sports and Hockey, which is now open in Centennial. So 50 bucks, you'll win that right now. You'll also be qualified to win the grand prize, which includes a two-night stay on April 28th and 29th at Treasure Island, plus dinner at Gillies Las Vegas during the NFL draft. So this is two nights at Treasure Island during the NFL draft here in Las Vegas. You'll be uh, qualified to win that, and right now you will get 50 bucks in a gift card to Vegas Sports and Hockey. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number 6 at 702 702- 364-1100. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Uh, Ed, to wrap up the show today, I am curious, do you have a bird update for us? Um, Well, they're still in the cages, which is good. Uh, still in the cage. Um, have the little one. The one we got... Um, uh, is not he, he? He's not very, let's say, animated. And the girl is not happy because she wants to play all day, and he just sits there looking straight ahead. Oh. So we don't know if he's smarter than the other bird or he's special. Like oh, we haven't we haven't figured man. out like if he's like just dumb because he sits there straight ahead, or <laughs> if he's thinking why is she flying around the cage and wasting all this energy? We're not really sure. We talked to him to see what he what, you know what he thinks, but he just stares straight ahead at us. He's probably oh, thinking we're idiots too. Yeah, probably. Is like, who are like, these people? Who these are these morons? idiots talking to me when they know I can't talk back? <laughs> who are these people? Are are you you guys are confident that they're that there's a boy and a girl and not two boys? We figured out that we have a boy and a girl. Okay, yeah, look yeah. at that. Mikey so is the... Mikey's not Marna. Mikey is <laughs> Mikey's Mikey and Maisie's Maisie. So uh, yeah, yeah, you got that. Yes. Okay. All right. Did did you miss the birds while you were gone at the final four? Yes. I asked about oh. him each day. I said, How's Mikey? You I did. Well, I wow. like Mikey because I think again, I'm trying to figure out if Mikey's special or, 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 or really intelligent. I'm not sure which one. So I'm getting updates on a daily basis on Mikey's mannerisms and what he's doing. And the update continues to be back. He sits there all day and stares straight ahead. <laughs> so we're not really sure. Um uh, yeah. Uh, Maisie just flies around all the time and just wants him to play and actually pushes toys near near him and he just stares straight ahead. He doesn't even look at the toy. So wow. we're not even sure. And on the back end, I'm not even sure Mikey can see. That's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there could be a lot of answers to Mikey and we really haven't figured him out. And my guess is we never will. 
We will never figure out Mikey, so I'm kind of depressed at that. Has wait a minute, has has Mikey been like on your finger out of the cage or anything? He is fine when we put food in the cage. She goes insane. She goes nuts. He just sits there. He never moves. He 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 goes to different perches, but we never see it. I think he waits till the nighttime. Like this morning, I took the uh, took their cover off because you take the cover off when the sun comes up, and he was on a different perch looking straight ahead. So that's why I think he's really smart. He waits until we're not looking, and then he does a bunch of stuff. But if we're looking, he just stands there frozen. Does a bunch of stuff. That's yeah. great. He's <laughs> he's acting in the night. Yes. Does, I mean, I assume he's eating. Oh, absolutely. He's 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 fat. Yeah. He he does he does nothing but eat. She's like all in shape and like all cut up because she's flying around all the time. Mikey's just a lump. He's just an absolute lump. All he does is and the other thing about Mikey, where we're kind of wondering around the intelligence part, he sits in his food. So okay, yeah. So we're not really sure if he um, understands that he shouldn't be doing that. Help me out here. What what do birds eat? Seed. Okay, so it's like a it's like a hard food. Okay, yeah, it's so like it's a not... hard seed, and they've got okay. their water. And it took him a long time to find the water. I mean, you know where I'm going with this on Mikey. It's just, <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> it took him a long time to find the water, and, and he needed to find it because if you don't find the water after a while, Mikey's uh, Mikey's no longer. So it took him a long time. And there's like six water things in the cage. Like he he, he like he he has to trip over him not to find it. And I think it took him like four days to find the water. So. I'm... I'm a little worried for Mikey. I feel bad, <laughs> no, but he's... but I actually I'm actually more worried for Maisie. She's got she's just got a bum partner she's in there. Got, the, she's got a lump cage. for a friend, and she's not happy yeah. about it. He's just fat and sits in. His yes, food. and he like, just sits. He's this? fat and he sits there and he stares straight ahead, and we're not sure Jeez. what he's like. This fat bird, get him on a diet, get him on an exercise <laughs> routine. Let's go, Mikey. Start flying. Get those wings flapping.